Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the We Will Break the Stigma podcast. I am so thankful um, for all of you who continue to listen. I, I say this every episode, and I will be saying it again in every future episode that this really started as a, an idea in my head when I was fortunate enough to come on Arnav Roy's Grateful Living podcast and share my story with mental health and alcohol that many people didn't know. I really thought that was a truly empowering and impactful experience that I thought was super meaningful to me. So I founded the We Will Break the Stigma podcast and platform so that more people could feel the same empowerment by sharing their story as I did. And it's just been truly incredible to see what has happened. This, this is the sixth podcast that I've recorded and I really don't see a stop coming. I'm just so honored and, and, and really grateful that so many people want to come on and share their stories. I could not have imagined this happening, but it truly hits to the point that we all are going through a struggle and many people don't know it, but there are challenges in every single person's life, no matter who they are and how successful they are. So I look forward to having this keep on going. And I am so grateful that all of you listen and care and believe in this movement as much as I do. It really means the world to me. With that, today I'm honored to have a guest on um, that I actually just met recently, who actually lives in the same neighborhood as my, as my parents and where I grew up. Um, and he is somebody that I am really looking forward to getting to know better as um, we both continue our journeys within mental health. Today's guest is, is named Dr. Rajiv Nagpal, and he is going to be coming on the show to discuss his challenges with um, being a doctor and experiencing racism. And he's also going to talk about his resilience and his role as in mental health policy and trying to help change the mental health conversation and break the stigma. So with that, I will welcome on Dr. Nagpal and, and give him um, a uh, introduction to the podcast. How are you doing this morning, Dr. Nagpal? Uh, good morning, Adam. Such a great pleasure to be here with you. And I am uh, really thankful for this opportunity and I must congratulate you for starting this um, series. I think it is the right time for you to talk on these topics. And when you put the word stigma in your uh, tagline, it's a really important uh, aspect of the whole podcast. So thanks for having me today. Yeah, and thank you so much for coming on. And I, I just wanted to say that really, I, I, I feel a, a, um, a kind of a, a new theme emerging in, in the podcast. And that's the, the fact that we're going we're gonna to have over the next couple of months, some more guests that are in gener the generation uh, above me. I'm, I'm a millennial and um, we're going to have some, some guests that are older um, that, and some guests that may have not 
shared their story in a in an open um, public setting. And that was a goal, a big goal of mine um, was to not just only have people that are my age and younger than me that are coming out, you know, in their in their 20s and talking about things that have challenged them throughout their life, but people that are older and that are also willing to break the stigma. And um, I, I, I can imagine that it gets it get it can get harder as you get older to talk about mental health because really a lot of folks didn't talk about mental health when they grew up. It just wasn't as much of a part of the conversation as it is today. So I'm really hoping to seize the opportunity and, and you know, really capture the fact that mental health matters right now. And mental health is something that is worth talking about. So I'm just really thankful that you're at this stage in your life are so open and honest about everything and that you want to help. Yeah, I think... Uh, you have picked it correctly. Uh, people have to open up their experiences. Uh, I think a lot of people will be coming to your uh, podcast would be either in that situation, they are going through the pain or the difficulty, right? And they may find it very useful to talk it out and find solutions. And there'll be people like us who have actually gone through those stages. And by uh, sharing our stories or our knowledge, we are just trying to maybe empower others by saying, hey, don't give it up, you know, life always goes on and um, move on, right? So you'll have different kind of experiences as you move on in the journey, Adam, thanks. De definitely, e exactly. And that's that's a really great message because I, I know with, with depression and with some other, you know, and anxiety, people can feel like it's never going to get better, but people like you are living proof that you can get through these things um, and life does get better. And there are ways to work through challenges that you think may be insurmountable. Um, so I'm really, really just thankful and excited to get into that topic today. So I, I just wanna paint the picture for the audience. Can you uh, just give me an introduction to yourself, who you are, um, what your career looked like, uh, what you do now, and anything else that you think might be relevant to what we're talking about today? Uh, yes, Adam, I can uh, start sharing you a little bit of my picture. So I am a pediatrician, I'm a doctor. I uh, was raised in India, in the city of Lucknow. And I was uh, always uh, very fascinated by the, the psychology, the human emotions, the elements of compassion, help, uh, social service. Uh, my dad uh, was an engineer in the government service of India and my mom being a housewife was always around us and I have an elder brother and my dad being an engineer was always posted in uh, projects which were a little bit remote and they were like uh, thermal projects which were away from major hustle bustle of the city. So I lived a very beautiful sheltered uh, a fantastic family life with a lot of love from my family. And uh, because of that, obviously, my education was always top notch. My dad always believed investing in education is more important than, uh, you know, investing in the, the daily uh, physical requirements or the luxuries of daily living, right? So obviously, uh, I studied in very good schools and I was lucky I went to a lot of convent schools during my education, uh, which helped me to gain, um, you know, confidence in English. And I think... All that was preparing me for my future journey ahead. When you're a child, you don't know what's coming in your life. But then um, 
I think there is a process and everything happens for a reason. So as I finished my year 12 in India, I was very fortunate to get into medical school straight away that year. And I was one of those lucky people because normally you have to wait for two to three years and give a lot of competitive exams and the selection rate is just two to three percent. So I got into medical school and then um, I passed my uh, medical school from Agra Medical College in India. And after that, I studied uh, my post-graduation in pediatrics. And uh, in those days, there was a sudden surge of doctors moving towards UK. And uh, I also gave the exam called PLAB. Uh, and I went to st stay in London and I restarted my career once again in pediatrics in London. And I was there for six to seven years. Yeah, so it was just to give you an idea, you know, how I moved from India to London uh, with a very strong background of my English and passing all the English exams, which were very essential to be in, in a country where English is the main language. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, of, of, of course. And um, it, it sounds like education really at, at every stage of, of your life has been super important to you and um, that through your career, you know, as a, as a pediatrician and as a doctor, you know, you've been, you've seen um, mental health, you know, issues firsthand and, and you've helped to treat them and, you know, be on the front lines as, as a doctor. Um, so I'm sure you have a lot of experience, you know, not only with your own experience, but with other people's as well. So moving, moving forward into um, what you experienced in terms of um, your own mental health as you were on this, on this uh, journey of, of practicing as a doctor um, in London and later in, in other countries, um, can you, can you touch on what, what that experience was like and what, you know, what kind of progressed in your life as, as, as you, as you uh, were in your career? Yeah, Adam. So, uh, so besides having worked in London, I also worked as a pediatrician in Australia. And I also uh, went for volunteering projects in countries like Cambodia, where I did work for Angkor Wat Children Hospitals, uh, which is a, a, a charitable supported uh, organization in Cambodian um, uh, city. And then, uh, so with all my experiences, what I can say right now that uh, racism, uh, which is the topic of the day today, has been uh, an integral part in my life, uh, but I never understood it. And I think if we had a podcast at much earlier stage, it would have been so much helpful for people like me uh, who did not even understand what racism is. Now, somebody could say, hey, if you are so educated, you did not understand racism, actually not. Because when you come from sheltered families, when you come from highly educated groups, your exposure to the world uh, is very cocooned. And you do not understand it till you have gone through it, right? So when I, uh, when I moved to UK, obviously it was a different culture and I was working in NHS. Now NHS has been very much dominated by doctors from all parts of the world, from Africa, from India, Asian. Uh, so it's a, it's a kind of a very multicultural uh, kind of a place. And there uh, where everything is moving in a kind of, a, in kind of an organized manner, the NHS is pretty organized. It's a great... Uh, system to work in uh, initially don't even understand so for example when I moved in um, UK I, I remember in the very initial two three months there was an experience where a nurse came to me and said uh, doctor do you mind um, so 
when we talk about an issue, I have to clarify that when I'm talking of one or two incidences, I'm not trying to paint the whole system as bad or whole uh, system you know, is wrong. I'm just sharing my experience and how you know, I work through it. So when this nurse came and talked to me, uh, uh, sorry, doctor, this patient would not want to meet you. She would prefer to see the white doctor who was a, like a local British doctor. And, you know, I was mature enough and I thought to myself, well, I'm new in the system. I don't know the system well. I, uh, I'm still in the learning process. It's fine. And I said, it didn't affect me at the time, right? So I just accepted it in a very natural way. And I said, sure, uh, you know, that's the patient's choice and they can take the best decision they want to take. Right, Adam? So I think I'll take a pause here for you to reflect on what I just said. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine that that was something that probably didn't hit you at first um, in terms of the way that you reacted to it and the way that it, it really affected your, your own, you know, well-being and mental health. But I'm sure as you're going to get into that, that did have an effect on you going forward. And really, I've heard that from a number of people, especially within my own community that um, I never knew um, really were affected by racism, um, you know, growing up in, in, in my hometown. And I think a lot of people, it, it did, it did kind of affect them and, hit them later on. Um, so I, I think that's kind of part of the, the, the conversation about, um, about racism and, and, and the fact that, you know, it, it's something that a lot of people experience and it's the, the, the effects that it has on people are, are definitely, you know, varying and, and, and can, can be specific to each person. And I just want to note that I am, um, I'm, somebody for those of you that don't know me that are listening and um haven't met me uh i'm i'm a i'm a white male um and i have never experienced racism um so i come to this conversation as somebody that has not had the same experience as a lot of people um and i'm somebody that really is just you know looking to learn more so i can try my best to, to advocate for people to be treated fairly um, and to be, you know, not to be labeled and all that. Um, I think that's important for people to understand as part of this conversation. So Dr. Nagpal, can you, can you talk about what, what started to happen as you realize that this was having an effect on you and your life? Right, right. So Adam, so basically, uh, so you carry on in life and you are, as I said, if you have 99% good experience and there's one uh, person experience, which is like not of your expectation or you don't understand the gravity of it, you really don't give much importance to it, right? So in my journey of life, I had actually great support from all my colleagues in NHS. As I said, it's a free model. It's a, it's a fantastic model. Anybody can walk in the hospital they get equally treated and it's a it's a it's a wonderful experience of my life and i'm so grateful to all the experiences i gained in nhs and and after many years then i uh, went back to india and from india i also went to uh, travel more and study more and i went and practiced in australia i also studied public health and international development from adelaide and uh, so i i had a great very fulfilling journey where not only was i 
exploring my own growth i was also seeing various cultures and uh, learning about the world so i think where uh, i really got stuck was more as i progressed in my career and i saw uh, as as my own journey i saw a lot of doctors were struggling whether it was in australia or uk who were just not progressing in their career for example if the same exam you know um, uh, their medical councils um, indian medical council then uk medical council then the australian medical council and i was seeing a lot of it professionals were coming and they were able to move in smoothly into various um, uh, systems but in medical council there was a lot of um, you know uh, rules and regulations and there are a lot of uh, things you have to clear before you can actually start practicing so uh, fortunately that was not a major issue for me i was able to clear my exams i was able to get all my gmc registrations but where it started hitting me was when uh, you talk about progressing in your career and then you see the roadblocks and i'm not just speaking about myself i've seen uh, doctors giving the same exams multiple times right they will just not uh, be able to pass although they have been practicing medicine for 10 to 15 years in the country where they have been living whether it would be uk australia or wherever and they are just not progressing so what was happening and then i am um, nobody to say but people who are listening to this podcast can go and google search about the experiences of doctors with diversity and they'll see multiple articles on lot of uh, in journals in the media and you will talk you listen and see how racism has affected each and everybody at the individual level or at a collective level so it does it it does exist uh, people uh, as you know doctors are really learned people and uh, they are also dealing with mental health challenges so i think a lot of people know how to uh, bypass this sensitive issue or they know how to tackle it and maybe it doesn't affect them as much but uh, it will be very very wrong for us to not acknowledge it and not to talk about it adam definitely i i i think one of the we when we talked um prior to this episode one of the things that really stuck out to me and and um it it was a story that you told and and i wanted highlight again that this is not meant to you know put put down anybody or or you know highlight somebody that said something specifically that's not the point this is more this podcast is more of a an effort to help people become aware of what what is going on and and you know help people become resilient to what is going on but you you told me a story about um an experience that you had where somebody had said that your um you know your english was so bad that you could kill a patient um you know a, a really really clear example of racism um you know in your career and something that you've worked so hard to to get to um and it was it was like that they they didn't really think that you could practice and you know be successful at at in your career and at at helping patients can you talk about that experience and what kind of effect that had on you yes adam so that's very important for me to tell that you know again as i said when we are talking about a very sensitive topic like this uh, people should realize that when we have moved on in in our life right and we have achieved what we really want to achieve and when we are talking in retrospect uh, every word which i speak i think 
people know me and I have my own um, uh, inner consciousness that I'm not trying to put people off from um, scenarios or use uh, an example of one particular individual to say that everything is wrong or black, right? It is my journey of life and I did encounter very, very difficult people and I was really unable to uh, know how to, uh, you know, cross that time when I was stuck with uh, one or two people who were really, I can look back and think uh, whether they were racist or whether they were inhumans or whether they were jealous or whether they were insecure, I have still got no idea. But one thing was sure that uh, when, a, when a doctor who's trying to work sincerely in a new system, uh, and I'm talking of my experiences in Australia, which uh, again, in the media, there's a lot of it to be read, uh, but does it mean that I didn't have a great time in Australia? Definitely not. I had a wonderful time. I have very good memories of living in Adelaide, working in women and children hospital. There are so many good things which happened in my life. And I also, while I was struggling uh, with few with few individuals, which uh, ultimately I will talk about institutional racism, because I think what is more important to talk here is institutional racism, because I think these few people who come and change your trajectory of your life, uh, whether we blame them or we blame the institutions is for people to judge, right? Because these people can do these things because the institutions support them, right? So, uh, and I was also uh, studying public health and uh, international development and the Aboriginal people, the, 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 the people uh, who lived in Australia for 65,000 years, if you look at the number, the census, what is the number of people who are Aboriginal today in Australia. So that speaks itself of, about the institutional racism, how uh, it affects everybody, right? I was there at one particular time of my life. Maybe I had to see this, maybe I had to endure it, uh, and maybe I had to become stronger after my experience. Uh, yeah, but I, I think out of my uh, bad experience was more with institutional racism rather than few individual, very egoistic uh, doctors, uh, neurologist or, you know, very, very, uh, you know, supposed to be uh, very famous doctors who were trying to be like kings or who were trying to be like, you know, they can make or destroy uh, somebody else's life, right? So, yeah. Adam. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And, it, it, and that's what we're going to talk about really today. And we're going to talk about, you know, the the ways in which you were able to, you know, use resilience to get through, you know, this, this experience with, with the institutions, you, you know, really um, being uh, prejudiced towards, towards you and really not allowing you to progress as, as, as well as you, you knew you could. And because the point of this is that there are, you know, many, many other people that are experiencing this like you, maybe they're not doctors, or maybe they're not, um, you know, maybe they're not in, you know, uh, from India, but they, they are from other areas of the world, they're trying to get into other uh, careers in this country and other countries, and, and they're experiencing the same roadblocks. This is, this is something that many, many people experience. So I think, what you you and I had talked about is really you want to talk about the uh, the the fact that institutional racism does exist, and you want to talk about how you got through it and how what you're trying to do and how other people can get through it as well. 
So with that, let's let's pivot to that topic and let's let's talk about um, you wanted to bring some statistics and data into um, the conversation on 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 this topic. Can you can you uh, talk about that? Um, so, Adam, you know, when we talk about um, experiences, right, one thing we all have to understand that uh, if you believe in yourself, right, then don't let others put you down, right? For example, I knew that I can communicate and I also knew that I'm sensible enough, right, that I'm not going to write or say things which are going to hamper my patients, right? This much of understanding I always had, right? And if somebody tries to put me down on that, then it's my, uh, uh, my choice at that time, whether I believe in what the other person is trying to say or whether I believe in my own strengths. You understand, Adam, what I'm trying to say? And this is what I want to tell the audiences here. If you believe that you are being wronged uh, and you just cannot prove it, then just stick to your intuition. If your intuition is telling you something is wrong, something is not correct, just stick to it. Because if you get confused and if you think maybe they're right and you're wrong, then you have gone in that spiral downhill trajectory of mental health challenges because now you lost confidence in yourself. Definitely. I, I, that, that really hits home for me where I, I just wrote a, 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 a blog in, in my series about my own mental health challenges about um, living for external validation, even, and, and, and that went so far to, I was, I was drinking alcohol um, because I thought that was the way that people would value and, and like me when I knew it was detrimental to my own health. I knew it was detrimental to my own health, but for years and years, I, I couldn't see that people would still like me if I, if I acted, you know, in, in my own intuition and what I knew was good for me, which was stopping to drink alcohol. But when I finally recognized that my intuition was right and that everybody would still like me, even if I stopped drinking alcohol, I finally was actually living my own purpose and was, was, um, was finally able to feel fulfilled living for myself. Um, which was a process that took a long time. And what I, what I tell, would tell the audience is if, if, if you feel like something's bothering you or there's something that you're experiencing a challenge with, I, I push for people to open up and tell somebody because chances are when you open up, the other person will may open up too. Um, and they might say, hey, I'm actually experiencing that same challenge, which I think is something that, you know, while I was growing up, I didn't, I never did. And I wished I did because it would have helped me feel like I was less alone. Yep. And as we were talking about the numbers, I'll just maybe give a small quote from, uh, from an article. So according to a study by the Australian National University, 82% of Asian Australians surveyed reported the experience discrimination in Australia. A survey of 6,000 Australians found over 30% experienced racism on public transport or at work. Now, why do I need to read it? Because when this was happening with me, and as you mentioned, we should open up. So as an extrovert and as a person who doesn't believe in hiding his or her emotions, uh, you know, I would uh, talk about the problems I was facing in my work. Uh, to the group of people and they were nurses and one of the nurses uh, uh, she was obviously uh, from um, not from Australia and uh, 
another Asian country and not from India as well. And she told me, Rajiv, do you know, I'm 60. And when this happened to me 15 years before, what they did to me, I was pushed into the worst, she was pushed into the worst uh, a job area where, you know, she would just stop seeing patients and she would just have to look at the notes and just be taken out of the clinical work for complete one to one and a half years. And I said, what did you do? She said, I could not do anything. I was a migrant and I had two small children to look after and I wasn't a doctor. So I just struggled and struggled, but it affected her children. It affected her family. So that was one of the stories which I heard. And then there was another very, um, another good doctor. She was married to an Australian and she came and told me, Rajiv, don't take any actions because, you know, ultimately you are not going to win. And uh, you'll have a very bitter experience because the whole system is um, operating in such a manner. And I, I listened to her and I, my wife is a doctor as well. And we, it was not just me who was struggling. It was my wife who was struggling too, because we were uncertain. Although I want to tell everybody here that I had been very clear. I wanted to work in public health from many, many years before. So my fear was not about losing the job here. My fear was not about going back to India. My fear was not about finances. Luckily, I had enough uh, finances. My my fear was my own fear that if I, as such an educated person, am giving in to such a kind of a institutional racism that even the medical council doesn't want to listen, then what example I'm setting up for myself uh, in the future when I'm old, when I look back, what I'm going to think about. I gave in because I wanted my job. I gave in because... I wanted to be a very famous uh, doctor in the world or did I resist? So my challenges were Adam very ethically, uh, uh, moralistically coming from a, from a higher purpose kind of thing rather than losing the job or having a face off, right? And that's why I wanted to tell uh, you today that when I look back, uh, I don't look back with bitterness. I think it strengthened me and it put me in such a high position that when I look back, I only look back with gratitude, Adam, it came to my life. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's really really um, interesting to think about because I think that um, your your challenge uh, is a challenge that a lot of people likely face, um, and that I faced in a different area, not not with racism, but with sharing and, and breaking the stigma of mental health. I think that I I struggled with okay, well, do I talk about this thing that is so crucial to my, to my own life and to my own well-being over the, you know, over the 20 years that I lived, you know, yeah, I was functioning okay, but I always had this, this thing that was pushing me down, which was my own mental health. And the fact that I was drinking alcohol to self-medicate my, for my mental health and my OCD and ADHD. And what I grappled with for, for years and years, uh, Dr. Nagpal was, do I, do I tell anybody about it? Do I say anything? And eventually I realized that if somebody is not going to like me because I talk about my own insecurities and I talk about things that might make some people uncomfortable, um, then I don't really think they're meant to be in my life because I want to be the person that I am to everybody um, and not somebody that I'm not. And so one of the biggest 
things for me was actually opening up about my mental health to, to uh, somebody at a, a prior job. And to be honest with you, Dr. Nagpal, I thought I would be fired. Um, you know, I, I thought these, this company won't want somebody that has mental health issues. They, they won't be able to as effectively do the job. So they might as well get rid of me. And that was the, the, the stigma around talking about this that was just completely enveloped in me. And for you, I think, you know, this is the fact that you're on this podcast today talking about this is really showing that you are in fact, you know, doing what is ethically right and talking about something that it affects so many people and that does need to be talked about. But, but we, you and I are both living proof that it's not easy to do this. And it's never easy, Adam, you know, there's always going to be a power struggle. So uh, whether, a, whether a child or a, or a youth has, uh, you know, had issues with uh, sexual abuse, with emotional abuse, uh, you know, uh, any kind of abuse, any kind of uh, uh, kind of uh, where you, where the element of power comes in, right? And the person who's powerless, if he, if he or she has to speak up, they already know they're on the losing ground, right? I, I knew when I was raising my voice after, initially I didn't realize it, but as it became worse and worse, because uh, you know, in, 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 in our profession, when you ask for the next job, you also have to take the references, right? It is not that you could be the best surgeon or you could be the best uh, you know, um, orthopedician, pediatrician, doctor, right? But you always, for the next job, you have to go and take the references. And where the power struggle comes is, that if your supervisor or bosses are not happy with you for whatever reason, for your, maybe you are the worst doctor or maybe you are the best doctor, it doesn't matter. But if they did not give you the right reference, your next job doesn't open up. And I think that kind of power uh, play uh, is the one which makes people uh, succumb, uh, which pe make people, uh, you know, just accept that kind of a behavior. Uh, I think a lot of people who are listening today, uh, they, may be, they may be youth here, they may be people who want to change their job, but they're scared because if they open up the mouth, they, the next job may never come. A lot of immigrants, I think I saw in my own life the how uh, this, uh, the visa process, right? When you are coming on a work visa and if you lost that job, you are nowhere. Now you can't go back to your own country wherever you came from because uh, you can always go back, but you always have that feeling of defeat that I came here to work as an advocate, as a doctor, as a, you know, whatever profession you came in for and now, what with what face are you going to go back and even if you go back people are going to say hey you could have put up with that a little bit why were you so arrogant why were you so egoistic why did you not listen when 90 uh, when 90000 people in that world can survive then why can't you survive right you understand adam what i'm trying to say nobody's going to support you for taking a challenge which you already know you are going to lose yeah the 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 power struggle is such a such a great way to put it um and really something that i haven't i haven't really talked about on here the fact that you know i think that's why a lot of people feel they're so alone when in fact they aren't because people aren't talking about the fact that they're experiencing something that is 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 challenging them and that you know they feel like they're at risk if they if they speak up like you said whether it's an abuse a sexual abuse or uh, violence or, or harassment in the workplace, whatever it is, there's, there's this, this fear that 
if you speak up that you'll be punished and that you're that, that you're powerless really to what is going on. Um, so I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on where where speaking up in on podcasts like this um, and where doing the work and breaking the stigma fits in. What what do you what do you think uh, the place for something like this is in society right now? Um, Adam, this is such a uh, important topic, and you see, there's a great openness. So, I think uh, we, as a generation who has gone through those problems when we did not have these kind of uh, social media, you know, other thing is how to as a as a very uh, you know successful doctor, as a person who understands the pros and cons of social media, I could have easily gone on the Facebook and written, "I am suffering," right? But then my second mind would say, "Hey, uh, you know." Uh, what what is going to come out of it right so there are i know uh, one of the person in in the medical council itself there was a woman and she told me the way she won it because she put it on the facebook that you know if something happens to her tomorrow if she goes and dies if she does suicide then these people are going to be accountable for right but she was an immigrant who had become a citizen in that country, right? So she knew her rights as a citizen. She could take that action. She got her job back. Although I also know that she was not able to hold her job, job back for long because when you're part of this whole uh, institution racism where everybody is there to catch you, whatever you do in whichever way you do, you're always going to be in that slippery system. So, uh, so uh, understanding this, uh, the action, I think the only action which a person is going through at that particular moment, I, I believe, which made me move forward. I believed in myself. I wasn't worried if I speak up, what are the implications, right? My worry was because being a family person, I also had to look after my son and my wife who were struggling through at the same time. And my challenge was in a family dynamics, when you speak up, uh, the implications it has. For example, a child who has been abused by a family member, by a cousin, by somebody, I think a lot of time these very emotionally um, challenging situations, people are scared to tell their parents because they know the implications are going to be devastating if you tell your uncle or your aunt or whoever has been uh, the person who has been uh, giving the biggest turmoil. But I'm talking a little bit 10 years behind the line. I think now with uh, your question, uh, with these podcasts, these topics are no more taboo topics. Uh, People have started talking about it. People understand it. And uh, this momentum should not stop, Adam. I think uh, the right way, approaching the right way, looking at both sides of the picture, we should not we should not play the cards. As I was also told in Australia, I know Dr. Nakpal, the next step you're going to do is to play the racism card. And I asked that lady, what is the racism card? She said, what happens whenever, you know, any doctor was coming from a foreign country and if they are on a losing ground, then they just put the racism card. And you know what happened? I never thought about speaking the word racism because I thought, well, if I talk about racism, then they are going to say I'm using the racism card and I never used that term. But now when I look back, actually, it was a clear cut case of racism. Even if I was the most inadequate doctor, even if I was the worst doctor in the world, I still had a chance to be given a chance to listen, right? I remember in the ward, in the in the Adelaide Children's Hospital where I was working, another doctor came and he used to bring his guitar along with him. And after every seeing any patient, he would come with guitar and sit in the 
in in that common it wasn't a duty room it was like a working station where nurses were there faxes were coming all these neurologists were coming and going and he would start playing guitar and it was so distracting uh, nobody could focus but he was a citizen right he nobody raised a voice and as my uh, supervisor said what kind of behavior is this like you put me down even when i go to the um, to take a loo break uh, you put a tab on me like you spy on me and then there's another doctor who's playing music no no that's that has nothing to do with you you stick to your things you don't talk about other doctors here right i could never get an answer right what was happening and then one thing adam which came to me really as a very big support at that time uh, was uh, i was in adelaide and when this movie hidden figures was released so me my wife and my son we went and saw that movie and what i saw in hidden figures in that movie the story of three women who were working for the space and i saw that you know one of the the actresses uh, had to go to take a loo break and there was no toilet in the entire facility and this woman had to rush so far to get to the toilet and come back and work with these scientists and then when i saw that i thought hey rajiv your problem is nothing compared to what people have suffered in the world already right and so you know that kind of awareness just hit into me and i thought well take a break you know um, your purpose is much higher and much bigger rather than just get stuck in this small part of life so i i only want to say adam that you have to look for inspiration around you uh, don't just look at the gloomy side start looking at the better sides also find your ways right you can uh, find groups of people you can um, interact with uh, you have these kind of programs now these podcasts listen when i listen to previous podcasts i learned something maybe what i speak today somebody will learn from it somebody will not like it but somebody will learn so keep your eyes and ears open how to find solutions exactly find find what works for you and 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 contributing to your your own mental health and well-being and find find that space where you can you know talk about the things that might be challenging or bothering you um and that's why i actually i'm hoping that as we have really been exposed to the effect that mental health has on so many people in our in our communities and in our country through the uh through the covid-19 pandemic which has really led way to us understanding that there's a mental health crisis going on and all around us i'm hoping that there are more avenues and opportunities to speak about these things to end the stigma so people that are experiencing things don't feel like they're experiencing them alone or in silence so i i really i i think it's more important now than ever to start to talk about these things and realize that yeah that that they are not taboo anymore and that they the more you talk about them and the more you receive support and realize that you know you're not alone the the better off you'll be in in combating them and and realizing that you can be resilient and you can get through whatever challenge you're going through um or you can at least work on it and and uh really understand that this there is hope um and that's that's really at the end of the day what matters is that there's hope to get through something that is 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 so challenging and and burdensome to your own health so with that i i kind of wanted to dig into um 
what you um, saw as some of the key themes of what it, where you are right now and how you began to work on mental health issues and advocate for more openness on mental health and, and, uh, and where, you, where you kind of focus your time now. What, what does that look like? Like, what, what, do you, what, what do you see as some of the ways that people can really be, um, be resilient through, through their challenges? Yes, Adam, I think uh, creativity definitely helps if you, uh, if you are in a problem, like look at creative solutions. So I know I have uh, known friends who are fantastic with their art and I know some of the doctors who I have seen them making uh, wonderful art where a lot of trauma and anguish, uh, you know, was coming out in the form of canvas and they would, they would paint it out and that would be very therapeutic for them. I also know people are great writers. And if, if something like this is going on in your life, you can also use uh, your emotions in the form of writing, or you can, uh, you can connect to the people who believe in what's happening in your life. You can uh, you can be part of those kind of groups. At the same time, I always believe that continue to offer the good part of yourself to the world. You can connect with a lot of charities. Uh, you can volunteer. And it's, it's not necessary that if I was having a mental health challenge or a depression or a, a, a problem at job, I only have to go and volunteer for something related to that particular topic. I don't think that's very essential. Whatever you like, whether you want to work for dogs or for uh, pets or for birds or anything, right? Animals or whatever, shelter homes. Uh, you choose your own calling and, and go and, you know, start volunteering. I think volunteering brings a lot of good karma and uh, a lot of your struggles you will see will automatically diminish as you start strengthening those parts of the world which are also affected and which need support. So as, as, a, as a person, I believe in my life, uh, volunteering has been great uh, support in my own journey of life. I uh, believe uh, each and everyone can contribute to the society as a whole. And uh, yeah, I think, Adam, for me, it worked. Definitely. And you're, you're, you're volunteering uh, it for mental health right now. What, what are you doing right now? Uh, so right now, so right now I'm working as an executive fellow for Acton Boxborough United Way. It's a great organization, which is based in Acton in Massachusetts. And we have been building a, a kind of a, a resilience approach to the community. And this is more during the COVID and the pandemic as a lot of people have lost jobs. Uh, People have lost uh, family members. Uh, there's so much of morbidity. Uh, it's, it's like a very shattering experience for so many people around the world, not just in Acton. And everybody just came in together and we started uh, uh, bringing people. We have got retired doctors. We have got uh, psychologists, community members, various organizations, disability groups, LGBTQ. And we are all talking in the same voice that now we have a problem and we are talking about resilience and we are partnering with various organizations from local hospitals uh, to institutes that how we all can collectively uh, work so that people who are affected with uh, the challenges during COVID, how we can support them and empower them. It's a wonderful job. Uh, it, 
it makes me connect to so many people as adam your experience in your life the, since you started a podcast you said you have learned so much each and every member in our group is uh, learning so much and we realize that in this whole ocean right we are just those, those tiny drops but even those tiny drops matter right so so we need to build those kind of relationships uh, groups where we can talk about mental health and we can support each other we are not just talking we are also supporting we have programs where we try to support people and so and like us there are so many other organizations adam which i'm sure uh, you'll get connected to as you move in the journey of your podcast yeah that that you couldn't have said it better and and really that i feel i feel um like my my purpose right now is to also um do the similar thing as the united way uh, is doing in terms of helping people understand that there there are so many people that are experiencing certain challenges and people are not alone and you can talk about it and you can talk about it today you can anybody can reach out to me at any time and and really just tell me what's going on and I'll listen um I've been there you know I've I've experienced challenges and I feel like it's my really my duty and my purpose to exp- to explain what I went through so that other people can understand that they're not alone and that things do get better and as you as you start to open up and and find ways that work for you to to work on things and to you know find whatever helps you become resilient things will get better and it will become a moment in your life that you're not not thankful for but understand had a a purpose in your life like it has for Dr. Uh, Nagpal and I, both of our challenges have likely held a, a, you know, they've held a purpose and really kind of inform what we do today and what we work on. So for those that are struggling, you know, and currently in a struggle, know that you can get help for this and that it is, it is okay to not be okay, which is just a phrase that I love and people just started saying so recently. Um, so with that, I wanted to see if you had any any parting thoughts, anything you want to leave with um, with the audience, Dr. Nagpal. This has been a, a really good conversation, and like you said, I've I've learned so much just just from you and the other guests, which I'm so thankful for. Uh, yes, Adam. My parting thoughts would be: I believe in the practice of gratitude, and I am grateful every day first of all that i'm alive whatever challenges or good fortunes i have in my life i'm able to take them because i'm alive right so in our journey of life each of us we all will find our own challenges right somebody might have financial issues leading to mental health issues somebody might be going through a divorce a family breakdown um, loss of family members so this is a journey of life we all have we know it it's not something i'm telling something new but we also have that option of being grateful so uh, the day i started reflecting and started living with uh, uh, an element of gratitude my whole perspective changed my my ideas have changed i'm human i have done mistakes too we all do mistakes right but what i am very mindful now that i am not part of that uh, group or communication where somebody is being uh, victimized i don't want to be 
in that group, I have choices. I can raise my voice and say this is wrong. But if I don't find myself capable enough for whatever reason, then at least I'm not part of that narrative where that thing wrong is happening. So one of the uh, thing is, please don't support when you see something wrong happening. Uh, go back to your home uh, from that party. If you saw some black or Asian or anybody else being affected, go back and think, what did you do on that night? Did you just support the person who were uh, part of the whole negativity? Or did you take some action? If you didn't take the action, that's fine. But at least in the future, don't be in that narrative where something wrong is happening. Please look at the policies. Please start looking at the data because the data speaks for itself. Uh, try to understand that these are very big problems and they will take time to disappear. They won't disappear overnight. Uh, so read about it, educate yourself. If you see somebody struggling, uh, you know, support them. Just listen to them. Sometimes listening is very important. And if ever you get a chance to come to Adam for sharing your story, do come. Um, because when you talk about your story, somebody else will get the energy and the strength to fight their own challenges. With that, I say thanks to Adam for having me here today. And thank you so much for coming and thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, we, I can just tell that there's a lot of similarities between what we're trying to do and I'm looking forward to continuing that momentum and that work. And thank you to everybody who listens and to who supports me again um, from the bottom of my heart. I, if you had, if people weren't so supportive, I, I, like like we just talked about on the podcast i would have felt that that power struggle and probably not have done this so thank for thank you for people who um you know are supportive and are not judgmental and support people talking about their own challenges um the more we do that the more people will start talking about what's bothering them and and won't suffer in silence which is just very good for society in general so with that, I, I will end today's episode and thank Dr. Nagpal again um, so much from the bottom of my heart for his time and his work. Um, and I will see you all on the next episode. And in the meantime, uh, stay safe, do something uh, good for your own mental health. Uh, try to make that a part of your practice and, um, you know, be resilient and, and, come out and talk about what might be bothering you or what might be challenging you. I think you'll be surprised at the effect it'll have on your well-being. Thank you so much again, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next week.